Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue. Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back to. Welcome back to. Ted Linhart and Garrett Eisler here. Today, we're going to do the first of multiple episodes where we uh, discuss scripts that we have acquired to episodes of the show that are, in some cases, slightly different, in some cases, very different from what was actually filmed or at least what was put out as the episodes we know we also have an episode that we'll get to eventually that is an unpublished episode of the show or an unproduced episode of the show or unaired at least i think unfilmed i don't think it was made and not aired about thanksgiving um so we're going to start today with two episodes this is going to this is our first time doing this so you may find this episode a little choppy or just like unorganized as we kind of figure our way through this. Hopefully it won't be. And if it is, it'll get better. If you want to read the scripts as you listen to the podcast or whenever you want to read them, please email us at 1049pod at gmail.com and we will send you the link to the Dropbox account that all the scripts are currently available in a PDF form. Uh, but you have to email us to get access to it. So just email us, uh, request access, and we'll send you the link pretty, hopefully pretty quickly. Uh, Garrett, anything and else? That email want? address, that email address again is? 1049pod at gmail.com. Good. Before we get it, so the episodes we're going to do today are Security Arms and You Saved My Life. These are both, by the way, from season two. We've decided to discuss these scripts in order, basically order uh, as written or as, as produced, which I think in the case of these episodes is pretty much the order, same order as they aired. Uh, and we're going to have, basically we have two from season two, and then we've got, we've got a couple from season three. We'll, I think we've got a couple of season four, one of which aired in season five. So we're kind of covering a, a fair amount of time. One one caveat to that is there are some more scripts on the way in. So we might not get to those. We might end up getting... Are there? Sorry, that was a yes. specific. There are oh, more scripts? Yes. Uh, you and I discussed, remember, a couple ones I never oh. had purchased and that I should purchase. Right. Oh, okay. So uh, it's possible we might get out of order if these That's scripts true. come okay. in late. So. That's just a caveat, but we're doing our best to go in order. Yes, because I thought it would be interesting to see if there we see any pattern or t- change some t- uh, in growth or evolution of style or whatever. Um, so the format's going to be that we're going to just simply discuss what's different about the script than the episode. We're not going to play any clips because we covered all that in the prior hundred episodes, um, and we're just going to kind of discuss the big differences that we see. Yes, perhaps if someone wants a refresher and either watch the episode itself or go back to our 1049 Park Avenue archives and listen to our discussion of the prior episode. Yes. Of the of the Odd Couple episode in question. Yeah, I think that. Uh, 
I thought it might be fun just to, to note at the beginning, Ted, because this is true of just these two scripts. Well, perhaps first you should, you want to say anything more about how you obtain these or yeah, so I, origin or I mean, how we can verify these are not fakes. These are not uh, just the uh, rip offs of the show. I mean, so transcribe the show or something like that. I'm a collector of stuff. Um, World Fair memorabilia, Disney theme park documents about the history of Disney theme parks. I used to collect comic books and I've always dabbled in scripts, TV memorabilia and scripts. And uh, I recently came across a person of note in the collecting community who has amassed 150,000 moving TV scripts and is selling them. And I have verified this person's authenticity a couple of ways people who are working with him are known well-known archivists or script dealers and I, I know it's not that hard to tell a fake kind of random transcript xerox modern copy from a authentic um legitimate copy that's from the era unless someone's really trying hard to fake them which i really don't think they're doing for odd couple episodes so we can, uh, you know, when you see the PDF, the, the feel of the paper is is clear, the color of the paper, the markings on the paper uh, of all the odd couple scripts. So these are definitely legitimate. Plus, they're different than the filmed episode, and no one could make that up. Like the the, the what's actually in these episodes are clearly earlier than what's filmed drafts. Right. So yeah. it's pretty obvious. So um, this person did oh. not have, ironically. He, this person has so many scripts, but for whatever reason of the odd couple, he's not got the complete run. There are shows like Star Trek or I Have Lucy where he's got every episode, but for whatever reason, I think because they're hard to find. I have been looking for odd couple scripts before I encountered this person on eBay or other places and really never found any for years. And the fact that this guy only had like 15 is another indicator to me that for whatever reason... Scripts for The Odd Couple are hard to come by. If you go on eBay and look for almost any show, you can find a script. I've bought scripts in the last six months from really obscure shows. It's so weird. Um, and yet Odd Couple is difficult. Yeah, and it's hard to say. I mean, maybe we'll get a sense as we go through this, whether it's particular writers have made their scripts more. But, but these are, all seem to be coming from the studio, from the production office. Yes. And, uh, clear why maybe it'll become clearer we see a pattern of what which ones come speaking of the production office then i've what i find interesting in these two from season two that are basically written um and produced about four months apart from each other in 1971 is there's a stamp on the cover page of each of them saying received well they both say revised final and then they say there's a stamp on them saying received by the date and by the name is John Kubachan. So a Mr. John Kubachan had stamped each of these as received uh, pretty much the day after, usually it was uh, or a couple of days after it was submitted. And I was curious who this John Kubachan is, uh, especially since his name shows up nowhere in the credits of the Hot Couple series itself, but maybe that's not... Um, Unusual, maybe he's more working for Paramount than the show. Um, but I do find about him now. This is fun, Ted, because um, uh, I just looked. There's not, not much more I found in him other than his IMDb credits. But 
this is a good uh, let's have a, a fun test of your your great tv trivia knowledge i'm going to run through some of the titles of the shows he was involved he looked like he had a modest career as a writer and producer on various shows starting in the 60s going up mostly through the 70s to the, to the late 70s um he had in the 60s he had writing and producing credits on a show called m squad m squad's great i watched all of m squad a few and years ago with lee marvin wow. so you know the show police squad oh. leslie nielsen show remember that Yes. Right. Oh my God. It's so after that. police squad is a spoof yeah. of just like airplane is a spoof of the movie zero hour. Uh, I just read a uh -huh. book about airplane. I can't read that. It's yeah. spoof of a specific movie. Right. Police squad is a spoof of M squad. Right. Not just the genre in general, which it is, but that's the one yes. kind of model they had in mind. Right. Interesting. So I bought them all on DVD a few oh, years cool. ago and watched all 110. Well, Apparently, he has one story credit for what probably is a later episode of M Squad in the, the 60s. It's an old show. And then uh, she was a producing credit on a show called Checkmate. Checkmate, I've also seen. That's a, it's a detective drama with Sebastian Cabot, Doug McClure. Okay, so that was in the 60s. He did uh, M Squad and Checkmate. Then, um, again, Odd Couple not in his credits, but it seems like that he already by the mid-70s, he is a writer or and or producer on shows like Run Joe Run. Don't know that one. Uh, then did some animated Hey, It's the King with two Y, three Ys. Hey, It's the King um, from 1977. And then Plastic Man. I remember the Plastic Man cartoon. I also think I saw when I looked him up earlier that he worked on Land of the Lost. Yes, that was, I was leading up to that seems oh. to be his project. So I think he did Saturday morning. I looked like he did Saturday morning cart stuff after in the seventies. So that's interesting. Land of the Lost, right. was Saturday morning, wasn't it? Yeah. That was, that was crazy. I remember so I agree with you. I think he worked at Paramount. I think he had a staff job right. at Paramount right. while dabbling in other things. That's what I think. Well, anyway, glad we could pay this little tribute to him. Okay, so uh, so right, so the first episode we're going to begin with is Security Arms, and as Garrett mentioned, it's called Revised Final Draft. But as you will find out, Final Draft does not mean what's actually on the air, which is true for I, I read every script I get and watch the movie or TV show as I get it. I did Live and Let Die. I got that script. I'm watching Die Hard now with the script. There, even if a draft says final, there are changes whether yes. it's big or not so um it means it basically i think well, the way i've interpreted this it's like what they're going into their final dress rehearsal with and uh and then as we know from testimony in the show that klugman and randall with gary marshall would often on the spot put something together add new lines the actors might improvise yes so, but this i would say both the ones we have coming up some that have some more significant changes but in in this, both of these are, I'd say, 90% there with a couple of interesting... Uh, I would disagree. Yeah, well, I guess 90%, sure. Uh, when we get to Save My Life, that has that has yes. much more differences. There okay, was a scene, so, I thought scene, right. uh, can, right, I also so, just add, can I also add that this is uh, dated, the script uh, is dated August 11th, 1971. Uh, I can verify that we know that it aired in January of 1972, it was the eighth episode taped 
during season two, which also, which by the way means it was only the eighth episode that they ever did in front of a live audience because we're right. in early season two now. Yeah. Where, so I find that a, a, an interesting, uh, which would affect how they write the script, I imagine. Uh, we don't have any season one scripts at the moment to compare it to, but I know that you're- We're, less not, go- we're not going to. <laughs> um, but yes, this is the eighth uh, eighth produced episode of the season, but it didn't. It was the fifteenth one to air, you know, not airing until January. So the ep- so the the script itself has a cover page, then it goes into the the scenes that that where the show takes place, whether it's day or night. They have a cast list, and in this, sometimes the cast lists are not accurate. Uh, in this cast list, John Fieldler and Janice Hansen and Al Monaro and Dawson Palmer, who plays Mel, the security guard, they are all listed as the guest cast. Which means there were no last minute cast changes. Or... So here's what I found. I'll just go scene by scene and then you comment on what you see. Here's what yeah. I um, what I observed as the major differences. So the opening scene uh, where they're robbed is very similar to what was filmed. Although the final line before of the, the end of the teaser, when Felix says, oh, nothing, um, is actually in the script, I'm not speaking to you. Yeah, and just to remind, I mean, I know people will remember the episode, but perhaps we should just quickly say, what ha- this is the scene where they've been robbed overnight, which is going to be the impetus for the whole security arms move that they make. Um, but Felix has been tied up, bound, and gagged. And Oscar wakes up in the morning, and the joke is that he's so tired, he, he doesn't notice that Felix has been tied up and gagged. And it takes them a while to 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 take it all in, and that's all as written. Uh, but the right the, the the final line of the teaser, as it's called in the script, you, they says teaser. All these like the, the uh, cold opens are kind of just called teaser. Uh, originally, Oscar says, "Buddy, what happened? What did when did they come in? How did this happen? Who did this to you?" And Felix, livid, says, "I'm not speaking to you." Now, this is such a good change because that's not really funny, that line, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And what actually happens is that is they simplify it to Oscar saying, what happened to you? And Felix doing a very sarcastic, oh, nothing. Yeah, I think most of the changes I found were that the, what actually was filmed was better than what's on the page. Yeah, it seems that uh, that Tony Randall instinctively knew there had to be something, went into sarcastic Felix mode very effectively there. I also thought it was funny that it says... It just keeps, while well, Felix's mouth is gagged, it says Felix grunts loudly. And it's very, but when you he watch the episode, it's very clear. He's saying, Untaru. So Tony Randall needed he words to say rather than just uh, make, uh, you, know, you know, strange noises. So uh, now one of the things is not only this, this, these discussions about these scripts won't only be about what's in the script that's not on the show, but the opposite, what's in the show that's not yes. in the script. So the next joke I I observed is when Oscar talks about Felix honking and that he says, you honk every night, you make every night New Year's Eve. That is not in the script. Yeah, great example of, um, it reminds me also, aside from what's on the set, I, I remember reading some of the writers mentioned that Gary Marshall, the last night before they taped or something, or after the last rehearsal, would always have, almost almost always have a punch-up session with the writers where he just wanted to make sure that was no more missed opportunities for a joke. 
more one-liners, more gags to get more laughs. Like month, now that the script was, the story was solid, the, the storytelling was solid in the script. And that, that's what you notice that there's a bunch more uh, funnier jokes that are you see on the show that are not in that final script. Yes. Uh, in the script, when they talk about um, who else was attacked in the building, because they're talking about crime, uh, in um, in the script, it's Mrs. Sweet who's attacked, not Mr. Sweetser. And what's <laughs> interesting here is that in the script, what had happened is that Mr. Sweet attacked Mrs. Sweet. Well, the line is, in, as written, we had an assault in the building just last month, Felix says. Mrs. Sweet was attacked. Oscar, that doesn't count. She was attacked by Mr. Sweet. Yeah, that is a little disturbing. Which you would think even in 1971 <laughs> or two, that seems like not, not funny. the honeymooners, not the honeymooners anymore. Right. But even in the honeymooners, <laughs> Ralph never actually hit Alice. He yes. would joke about it. And it's also obviously different. It, so obviously in the show, it was attacked to uh, when they. Um, it's Mr. Sweetser was attacked. Sweetzer that doesn't attacked. account. He was attacked by Mrs. Sweetser. Right. And that's automatically funnier. Right. It's the opposite of, 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 the, of the tragic version of spousal abuse. And uh, although not, not discounting real life uh, wife on husband violence. Uh, but they also changed the name. They, you know, Sweetser, they, they gave him a more Jewish name. I think well, I think okay. sweeter just maybe sounds funnier than it sweet. It also sounds funnier, right? Yeah. So it kind of softens everything about that, yeah. So in the script, uh, Murray mentions how his captain lives in a security building, but I'm sorry, in the show, Murray says his captain lives in the security building, but in the script, it's the district attorney. Better, a good change, because who cares about some random district attorney? Right. Make it personal to Murray, yeah. My captain's better. Um, so there's a scene in the show where um as felix is trying to kind of i guess um yell not yell at but tell oscar that he's ignoring all the crime that's going on around him and oscar puts the scarf around his mouth uh and he stops but in the script we actually hear more of the dialogue before that happens so in the in the show it ends with you bury your head in the sand that's like the last full sentence. Yeah, the and, whole thing is Oscar. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to take the liberty of doing the quick dramatic readings here. Well, I was uh, going to. Re- are you reading from the script? Yes. Oh, I was about to do that, but you go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, so it, it, it's basically Oscar's on his way out, and Felix is going. You can work during a crisis like this, Oscar. No, I'm too poor to take a vacation. Oscar goes to closet, finds it empty except for an old muffler. Felix, you know, Oscar, it's people like you that make this city a jungle. You're like an ostrich. You stick your head in the sand and avoid looking at what's going on around you. Your attitude is outrageous, tasteless, and a contributing factor to the antisocial tendencies. Now, all of that from you stick your... Now, you notice that there's a typo there. You notice that you stick oh. you head in the sand? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, all those three sentences are not in the show. Right. Which Now, what I see there is also kind of maybe even a deliberate... In order for that gag to work, Oscar is cutting Felix off. By right. by putting yes. the scarf around him, and for that to work, Tony Randall, the actor, needs a lot more to say. He it helps if he's really going to go into a huge rant, so he doesn't just like stop on cue. So in a way, all that is necessary for Tony Randall to do the scene, even if we don't hear the rest of it. So and it's in, very possible they never intended for the rest of it, all of it, to be heard. 
Right. In the script, he does also still put the the scarf around his mouth. So yes. that gag was still there. But they yeah, in the script they call it an old muffler. Muffler. It's a kind of scarf. I guess so. When I hear old muffler, I think of a car part. I don't I never knew that there was a that that's also a piece of clothing. A kind of scarf. It's an old fashioned term. So the next scene is, I think, to me, one of the most notable differences. So this episode has the famous scene that is in the opening credits where Felix is going to talk to Oscar and Oscar's head is at the other, other end of the bed. And in the show, you know, Felix sits down, starts talking to him and just kind of shakes him once. And then Oscar's head pops out, which is the gag. Right. In the script, it's described in a way that's much slower. I'm going to read the description here. And I think would have been definitely worse had it filmed it this way. So these are the stage notes. It's late that night. Oscar's room is in its usual disaster area state. There's a huge lump under the covers that could be Oscar. After a beat, Felix enters, dressed now in pajamas, but completely awake. He goes over to the bed and gently nudges the balled up covers and pillows at the top of the bed. Oscar, Oscar, I want to talk to you. Felix gets no reaction. He pulls the covers back slightly and sees he has been talking to Oscar's feet. Felix reacts and feels his way down the lump to Oscar's head, which is at the foot of the bed. He uncovers Oscar's head. Now, that could have been amusing, but it's such a slow reveal mm -hmm. yeah. that I do think, would you agree, that the way it's actually filmed is quicker and funnier and punchier. Right. And it makes, again, this change makes total sense because it's like the difference between the writer's conception of it or the way it was conceived in early rehearsals till how they actually decide what was funny on stage at the moment. And so once Gary Marshall and the director, in this case, their usual, their very frequent director, Jerry Davis, I'm sorry, no, Jerry Parrott, who directed this? Oh, we don't see that. I'll have to look that. Uh, uh, wait, do I have that? Anyway, sorry, I will not digress into that. So uh, as they, figured this out in rehearsal they clearly figured that out uh and there is some other extra dialogue that's in the the scene here where um felix wants to talk to oscar about living in a safe building and the scene itself in the show is shorter than the scene in the script i'm not going to try to well, recite it here unless you want to yeah. It's not well, the, the lines themselves aren't that interesting. It's just notable the scene goes on more. Yes, I thought so too. Now here's what's funny. I uh right. There's a point where Felix, it's like a false exit. Felix, when Oscar tells him finally, no, get out of here, go. I'm not interested in moving. Felix leaves, but then he comes back and gives a like because he's so long-winded, has to give a more poetic goodbye to Oscar as he's about to move out. I read this going, wow, this, you know, this must have been cut. And then I went back to watch it on Paramount Plus, and it's in there, all this stuff about T.S. Eliot, like quoting T.S. Eliot. And it is? Not a, not a bang, but a whimper. But wait, uh, I, I watched this on Paramount. I know, I know. No, well, no, I think I must be talking about something else. Okay, well, I thought this, and what's crazy to me is I think this must have been cut in syndication. This must have been oh. one of those moments that I'd forgotten about uh because i wasn't used to seeing it so even if <laughs> we have to go back to our own podcast to see if we uh, i if we watched on paramount i guess we yeah saw i it. i think there's other dialogue that you've not mentioned yeah. in the script that is not in the well, scene on paramount and that, and that, by the way i think well that goes for the very next scene 
as far as, as I remember. But it did remind me that, yeah, that I think that this is extraneous and could have easily been cut in syndication and probably was. It does go along too long. So the director, by the way, is George Tyne, T-Y-N-E, who so did- So not their usual director. Three, he did three season ones and then Security Arms and Partners Investment in season two. So he was not a- in, he was not a director in the episode. He was an early was director. Was early, early director, right. Um, so if you want to go observe the differences between the seat in Oscar's bedroom and what's in the script, I encourage you to do that yourself. Um, another joke that's missing from the script that's in the show is when Oscar does start to get worried about crime. All right, next he, scene, right. Yes, the next scene, he puts, he puts his arm in, I guess, it's some sort of vase or umbrella. Yeah here and he goes I, out yeah yeah can i just do, do a quick sum up of this because i found yes. these so the next scene is the next day or whatever presumably oh yeah felix is, has he hasn't they haven't moved into security arms yet but felix is moving out because he's so he thinks it's not safe in the apartment and he's traumatized by the robbery so he first goes to gloria's yep. which is he states in the bedroom scene so we know that felix has basically moved to gloria's temporarily so, so the whole premise of the next scene is Oscar living it up as a bachelor. And this is the famous don't mix Chinese and Italian <laughs> uh, scene where he comes with the two TV dinners and mixes them up, all of which is clearly spelled out, conceived this early in the script. Um, and I read this, the script, the, the, you know, surprised that what I was, again, thinking a lot of this must have been cut in syndication because what I remember most of the scene is that he sits, he, Felix calls, he hears Oscar mixing the food, says, are you mixing Chinese and Italian again? You, uh, and then hanging up on Felix and then the shootout in the street, the police sirens and the he hears the crime in the streets and that's what scares him. What I did not remember is that, and this turned out is in the Paramount Plus version of the show when I watched it, is first Oscar, he enters, he call, gets a call from Nancy, he's, who's off screen, He's telling Nancy how excited, how fun, how much fun he's having, and he wants to see her and you know, get get cozy with her while Felix is away. And uh, then he then he gets scared by the door. He gets freaked out by the door being open. The doors of the apartment is ajar somehow. Like yes, that's right. It opens by itself. Yeah, right. And he gets nervous. And in the script, now this is a change. In the script, he just kind of looks a little creeped out and uh, closes the door saying it uh, couldn't hurt. But what they added in on to when they taped it was that there's a he there's a vase, right? This big heavy vase at the entrance that he picks up because he's scared someone's outside at that moment and he's gonna hit over the head with this thing. And then there are two neighbors that's standing there staring at him. And he's so embarrassed that he's holding this big vase on his forearm, lifting it up into the sky. So it looks like it's covering his arm and then says, I lost my Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I guess, the funniest thing they could make out of the situation. But again, I did not remember. It's so extraneous that I, I, I imagine this was probably cut in syndication. Then we have a quick dissolve to just a few moments later when he's finally made the food. And the what's and then he has the phone call with Felix, but what the script uh, what the script had, which was cut for filming, 
was that before the police shoot out in the street, first Oscar gets uh, creeped out by a bunch of TV shows he's watching. He's flipping through the TV channels. Yes, I have that as well. That they yeah. they go through just like the episode with I guess let's make a deal or whatever episode. No, the the sorry, it's the one where the Dink, it's the one the Dink Award where they show oh. those commercials. Here they're oh, actually show. Well, I don't know if they're showing it. I no, think they hear it's, it. Well, it's just I, audio. No, they didn't. They didn't film it. So yeah, it says we hear the sound from the TV right. as Oscar watches, and then they go through the different shows he watches, and they actually have dialogue. Yes. Well, wait, well, we can read those for the for the. Yes. Well, I'll, uh, are you ready? I have it in front of what, me. What page is that? Is that uh, page twenty-one? Right. Okay. Good. First, there's a tough voice that says, "All right." When he gets out of the car, hit him with this. And a second voice says, "Al, this thing is heavy. It could kill a guy." And Al says, "Shut up, Douglas. You want to be a shoe salesman the rest of your life?" Then Oscar flips the channel, darling, disgust, going, "Ah, he's tuned on. He's turned on a talk show moderator. Tell me, Doctor Kern, what do you think is the basic cause of this mass increase in the crime rate by middle class youngsters?" voice well as i have stated in my book teen terror oscar impatiently changes the channel again and says man isn't there anything but crime on and then we hear a girl singer singing you stole my heart away so steal is another crime <laughs> yes. yeah so it, i mean it is and an then interesting off, then he turns off the tv because he's but does it so too he's getting freaked out by all this talk about crime and what's interesting is it's just like today where yeah. most of the news is about making you scared about things it's the same as it was true in 1971 so yeah so i, I it does seem like these gags are not worth filming i mean it makes sense to me that they cut this out of the show it just seems kind of yeah. like a drag and yeah and in fact the whole uh this whole scene of oscar alone and lit in the apartment needs to be yeah it had to be condemned it deserved to be condensed to its bare essential which is that something has to happen to convince oscar to go along with the thing and you don't need when you have these two actors having all these other guest players who are just kind of playing bit roles uh, is just unnecessary yes that is an interesting pattern i'm seeing in the scripts yeah so the next scene they're at security arms and they're with john fielder and they're filling out the forms to I guess apply to live in the um, in the building, I found some extra dialogue in those uh, what's on the script versus what's filmed or what's aired. Um, nothing worth I think describing for the podcast, but again, if you go look at the script, I think you'll find that as well. Once they've moved into the actual apartment, by the way, that in that scene, I just want to say I didn't get to check this out on the on the broadcast version, but. I doubt they kept the line Felix saying Oscar's complaining about all the questionnaires and then looking in, you know, uh, ver ver verification security. And Felix says, Mr. Duke is right to check people out. What good does it do to move into a safe building if your next door neighbor is a rapist? Yes, I agree. That's one of the ones I think that I did that was cut out. That again, another intensely serious line or too serious a line for this show. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so once they've moved into the apartment, it's very close, the script to the yeah. scene. There are a few changes. Um, the ones I found are that um, now in the show, when the alarm bell goes off, 
Oscar says, look at this. They're off and I haven't placed a bet yet. Now, not only is that not in the script, but I I remember in the show that that line sounds dubbed to me. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't, I don't know remember if- that detail. I, I do know that it is a it's a it's it's a Jack Klugman thing, right? They've used it before when uh, Felix tries to wake him up uh, one day and he can't wake him up. So he says, "Betting betting closes in five minutes." And right? Give me yeah, 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 yeah. Give me five on this. Uh, so that, but that, that was how everyone thought of Jack Lugman is that all his mind was on the, the races. So but I don't this know that Oscar is not actually deluded. He's just making a joke that this bell out of nowhere sounds like the bell at the racetrack. And I don't know if it's a coincidence that it's not in the script and sounds dubbed. It could be. Uh, and then there's an interesting line about voice prints that's in the script, but not in the episode. Um, when the alarm's going off and I think, and when Gloria also gets there, Oscar says, hey, what's going on? Duke says, who's that speaking? Oscar says, what's the matter? Don't you have voice prints too? And Duke <laughs> says, voice prints, that's an idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, they cut. And then there's, is there a later reference to it too? So I think they must have decided, let's not go there because in 1971, like that's still a kind of new concept, you know, and maybe they thought people wouldn't know what they meant by that. Uh, now, then I have a note here. Oh, yeah. So then at the end of the of the episode of the end of the of the act, um, when Mel comes in and says, boss, we've been robbed. They took mm-hmm. the computers, the scanners, cameras and everything. Uh, at the end of the the last line of the scene, Oscar says, too bad they didn't get peaches. Now, which is the dog, Mel's dog. It's the guard. It's the attack. T- right. That now, I wrote a note to myself that says the peaches joke at the end. Is I know. I know what the. I know okay, what go- the Yes, say the better the better version that they changed it to yeah. is that I think it was an inside job. Peaches. Oh, right, that's right. Yeah, so it's a oh, little nice. it's a little bit different. Yeah, Pe- instead of Peaches being the victim, he's the actual <laughs> criminal. Yes, right. Um, so that's it. That's all I observed as the major differences in the show. I, I mean, I, do you have anything uh, I missed? Well, uh, it did. Not sure any major difference, but. Um, it is right. It's notable how this is an episode with a lot of great lines. And, oh, sorry, uh, there's one more thing I want to mention. Yeah. Uh, sorry, this um, yep. the sight gag where Felix goes to the three different places to try to talk to Gloria. Yes, that is not in. That's not spelled out. Or at in least the script. it's not spelled out. Right. Yes, sta- it's not right. in the stage directions that he has yeah. to keep talking to the monitor, but then the speaker microphone is in a different wall, and he's like, "I'm coming. We're coming, Gloria. We're coming. Oh, we're coming, Gloria." He has to keep like moving around to who he's talking to but you can kind of when you you picture it in your mind as you're reading it right but even though it's so that might have been physical business that tony randall just figured out on the set um it is it reminds me that this is an episode that already had so many great lines uh uh, uh by this point you know, duke's character the fiedler character is so already completely there the i it's for your own good is a repeated thing his catchphrase is all, still there already um ex-wives upper arms yeah yeah yeah, it's there that's right yeah um so you read this and you go well okay they had this they had this worked out one line that is also that uh, is here in the script and that i remember from the show i just had an epiphany that i finally got the joke that i didn't really get before which is that in the midst of all that chaos the lights go out and they say what happened and Oscar says, someone on the third floor got just, it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I realized it's a prison movie joke. Like the ex when they get the oh, chair. I always like, got that. You didn't get that. I don't. Well, I I, I don't. I remembered always. Uh, maybe we talked about it on the last time we did the podcast. But by the um, way, it's just got it, not got just it. Got it, just got it. Yes, Thank it's you. that. That's in the script as well. Just got it is important to note. Yeah, the tag is the same, right? Yeah, Where, tag is the same. Uh, it's back in Oscar's bedroom, and she's again. It's the joke about how messy the bed is that Felix is talking, thinks Oscar's in the bed under the covers, and then Oscar shows up behind him brushing his teeth. Right, which isn't a great tag in general. Um. So yeah, this is a script that's really I think is ninety percent there. Uh, by the time they, or submitted this, well, an interesting thing, looking at it this way that you notice is like this is not all the episodes I think are like this, but this is very much a very neat two act structure, right? I mean, I, sitcom scripts, you have like a, the teaser, the opening, you have Act One, commercial break, Act Two, and then your tag. Uh, at least that seems to be the model they're following. And this is so clearly that because you can tell by the sets. When you look at the scene breakdown on the first page, what you mentioned, which has the day, whether it's day or night, that's, of course, for the production team, right? Which set is needed yes. and what kind of lighting is needed. And and they're, and they're alphabetized, a, scene A, scene B, scene C. And living, and you notice living the first. It starts with living room, living room, Oscar's bedroom, living room. Then when uh, he when the shootout happens with Oscar on the couch, living room and wall flat. Wall flat. Okay. I assume means the wind, like the the, the back, the the windows. Oh yes, I see. Which yes, and it's kind of like that's a note that we have to see. We have to light the windows. That like the windows are involved, the backdrop, which is something not something they would not have to prepare. So that and then that's the commercial break. That's your act one. And act two is all in the security arms, which is the new set they have to build. Remember, we talked a lot about that set, how it a fancy. Yeah, they did a really good job on that set. And so a lot of the production of this episode went into the, the, that's why all of act two takes place there. They really use it. And then for the tag, they just go back to Oscar's bedroom. So it's a very neatly structured episode, but apparently a challenge to produce with that set and all. So the second episode is You Saved My Life, which is has a much bigger difference than uh, security arms. Uh, By the way, is, I'd like to just point out this is dated December 3rd, 1971. So this is four months after Security Arms was taped. Uh, so you Saved My Life is the 19th episode taped during season two. Uh, but it aired just two weeks later than Security Arms in January. They both aired in January 1972. So this aired just six weeks after they taped it. Right, so this had a very tight turnaround. Yeah, a much this tighter is, turnaround. Yes, right, and uh, and this is we are now almost at the end of the productions of season two. So the biggest difference is a, a character who is fairly prominent in the episode and scenes that he's in, which are definitely not in the show, and for good reason. So if you uh, if you have the script in front of you, or we'll tell you. The two characters, the three characters mentioned that are not Felix and Oscar are Murray uh, and Myrna and a man named Mr. Underwood. <laughs> Which, who I did not recognize when I yes. saw that. Yes, so Mr. Underwood his, uh, has an actor's name. Actually, there must have been, this guy must have been hired, which tells me they may have actually filmed this. It's a character actor named Vaughn Taylor. 
who is, I didn't actually recognize the name and I'm pretty good with character actors. I didn't recognize it, but once I looked up his IMDb credit, I was like, oh, that guy. So he plays a lots of fussy, stuffy bosses on Frost Media for decades. And you would be most know him. He was in five Twilight Zone episodes. He's um, Burgess Meredith's boss in Time Enough at Last. Oh, <laughs> and he's also Janet Lee's boss in Psycho. Psycho, right. That's Yes, his- yes. So uh, for people who watch 50s and 60s movies and TV and you saw the guy, you would know him. So he definitely fits the role here. It's, you it's know, also he's... interesting to picture this. Now, this is like 10 years after Psycho. Yes. So he's being cast as like this kind of quirky old man, who their na- neighbor, right? Some kind yes. of fussy yeah. old man. Yes. Um, so what happens is that um, oh, after Felix... After Oscar saves Felix Slice. Well, let's uh, go, again, maybe a brief recap. Is okay, go ahead. Scene one is, uh, you know, Felix is cleaning and he gets, and he fall, almost falls out the window and Oscar saves him. And from then on, <laughs> uh, Felix now has to continue to thank him and, and be, show his gratitude for saving his life to the point where it will annoy Oscar. So, um, but, so we have when Oscar saves him, so with the teaser is when he fall um, when he when he leans back and is hanging out the window. Then the first scene in and that, that scene is pretty similar to what's in the script. Yes, yeah, yeah. a lot. Of the, so far, the beginning is pretty is pretty similar. Um, and then the next scene after Oscar saves him is Oscar's bedroom. Right. So this is an entire scene. This the B scene, basically of uh, Act One, and. It's uh, well, Felix comes in and he says, Oscar, are you asleep? Can you get up for a moment? I'm terribly sorry to wake you like this, but it's quite important and it won't take long. And Oscar says, Felix, what is up? And Felix says, I changed my will. Oscar says what time it is. Felix says it's 1.30. I couldn't wait until the morning. It's very short. I'll just read it to you. You sign it and get in your, uh, sign it in your presence and you can go back to sleep. Felix, Oscar says, Felix, you must have bumped your head going out that window. And Felix says, no, Oscar, you saved my life. And I just want to turn over all my worldly possessions. Oscar says, what am I going to do with five vacuum cleaners? Change your will at 1.30 in the morning. It's not legal. You have to have a witness. Felix says, I've got a witness just a second. He goes back to the door, opens it wider and calls down the hall. Mr. Underwood, would you come? Mr. Underwood, would you come in now, please? Oscar says, Mr. Underwood, who's that? (laughs) Felix stands aside and Mr. Underwood comes in. He's a portly gentleman. By the way, I don't think Vaughn Taylor is portly. portly, Right. So they must have written that before they cast him. Dressed in a suit and vest. He seems to be a retired old gentleman with money, possibly retired from the military. He smokes a pipe, carries an umbrella, and has a fat German shepherd on a leash. This is just begging to be cut. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What's he bringing on a dog? (laughs) I found Mr. Underwood downstairs. He was airing his dog. I never heard that expression. Have you heard yeah. that expression? No, but air taking an airing is like a walk. Right? But when I explained the gone. situation to him, when I explained the situation to him, why would he be explaining the situation to a guy walking his dog at 1.30 in the morning? He consented to come up here with me. Mr. Underwood, Mr. Madison. Oscar stares. Underwood says, he looks at Oscar's room and says, oh, an explosion. Eh? And the poor chap wants to change his will? Felix says, oh, no, no, I'm the one who wants to change his mill. Mr. Madison is the beneficiary. Underwood says, well, he could sure use it. Well, let's get on with it. He points to the dog and says, look at Teddy. 
He's searching for the curb, and this room has got him a bit confused. Felix says, let's hurry. <clears throat> Felix says, I, Felix Unger, being of sound mind and body, and Oscar, who's been staring, has had it. He swings out of bed. You're off the track right there. You're not in sound mind. You're nuts. Out, out. You're not reading any will in here. Sorry, Mr. Underwood. Excuse me, Teddy. But there's not going to be any reading of wills tonight. I'm going to back to sleep. And Underwood says, I house broke Teddy. Can't you do anything about him? So, the, okay. What is the point, right? Um, first of all, this is, we should know, this is the very first example. This, the episode is a series of bits, right? Of Felix doing something extreme and outrageous to show his gratitude and noise Oscar. This is actually the first one. This is before the breakfast scene. You know, we, what, what, we were, what the episode ends up being is that the first, the first example is Felix making fawning over him over breakfast. And the thanks sign, which, which by is, the way, is in the script. Not in the script. Not in the script. Oh, it's not. Wait. Oh, wait, is it? Or no, it is, it is in the script. I'm sorry. I, I think I would have written yes. it if it wasn't. The thanks, right. So they had already prepared that. Yeah, that yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it's amazing that this misunderstanding scene was like their first idea and that the first idea was Felix was trying to change his will, which remember that comes up in another episode, he dictates his will to Murray, remember? Or he has Murray witness it. That's when the, I think that's, uh, I don't remember that. Much later. I think it's when they're old, you know, I think when they're, when oh, they're oh, okay. Okay. You uh, mean the episode where they go to the nightclub? Yes. Right. Okay. Um, so they have him doing this bit with the will, but there's so many ways they could have done this, but they, I feel like this is an attempt to introduce a new character. Like, a you're talking about a recurring character? Yeah, possibly, because um, it, it made me think. It's actually rare. one thing I we don't appreciate about The Odd Couple enough is that they do not have a wacky neighbor, which is, un, you know, for most shows set in an apartment, you have a Kramer is the ultimate wacky neighbor or, you know, variations of that. And... Maybe this is an attempt to try to have a wacky neighbor of some kind, and they just ditched him right away. <laughs> um, I mean, they cut him from the episode, and they had no interest in, in bringing him back. And all, but also, this scene is it's it, it's pathetic that they are the whole thing is being for the a, a dog shit joke. You know, it's like uh, which is what they did with golden earrings too. Remember that the left you a gift in your room. And, this scene reminds me of something out of season one. Is what it feels yeah. like, oh, and, right. and and that to me is a negative, as you know. Oh right, and season one did have wacky neighbors, right? Pigeon sisters, of course, and, and Philip. Yes, right. right. So uh, I I I'm surprised it made it this far. I'm surprised they 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 got to a noted yeah. character actor. Yeah. And I would love to know. I guess we'll never know. Right. You know what happened? To right. Because yeah, get... well, you can't tell from watching it because they cut the entire scene. There's no fragment of it left in the episode so it's possible they could have they certainly rehearsed it i mean if it got to this point they rehearsed it okay so mr underwood does come back briefly for a follow-up now this is late one of the last scenes of this the climactic scene when oscar tries to do the bit at the window for felix to save him he figures this is the final way to make them even and the joke is that oscar keeps trying to uh hang out the wind he sent felix goes out to take the garbage out or something i forget and hoskers needs to set it up so he can hang there and be there when felix comes back but felix is taking such a long time that all these other people come 
and and say, hey, where are you, Oscar? And he has to explain, okay, I'm just, I'm not really hanging out the window. I'm just there, but go away. I need you to go away for Felix. So Murray comes in, Myrna comes in. And of course, Mr. Underwood is they is one of the ones who, in the script, who does this. Uh, and this is how it goes. This is, we hear foot, Murray exits. This is right after Murray. We hear footsteps that are knocked on the door. And Oscar goes, oh, Mr. Underwood. Because the door's still open. He just walks in. Mr. Underwood, Underwood, I didn't mean to disturb you. Oscar climbing back in uh, from the window. What do you want, Mr. Underwood? Underwood, I was walking Teddy and happened to look up and see you clinging for your life and wondered if I could be of any service to you. Oscar, no, I'm fine. Uh, Underwood, to the dog. Well, Teddy, we're not needed. Good night, Oscar. Good night. So that's the most notable difference here. The next big difference I saw is that when Felix writes the jingle, other side, there's two other major things. Well, when Felix writes the jingle about Oscar for the advertisement, uh, that comes much later in the script. Um, yes, than, they, moved, it, they moved it around. Yeah. Also, in that scene, Oscar's door is locked before Felix comes in. And at the end, it's Oscar who leaves the room, not Felix. So the staging of that whole scene was different. Uh, some other notable differences is when uh, Oscar references who's going to see the flying the flying nun. Uh, <laughs> in the script, it's a zeppelin that's you know able to look in the window, not the flying nun. Uh, the bit with the napkin and the saxophone and the pen mustache on Felix's face is not not in, it's not in the script at all. It's well, it's the, a different bit. It's a different bit. Uh, instead of the mark, the drawing a mustache on him, he says Oscar takes a plate of eggs and plasters it on the picture. Oh, okay. I did not note that. That's a good. I'm glad you caught that. Um, Oscar reminds in the show. Oscar reminds Myrna that she has folks up in the Bronx, hmm. but that's not in the script. Hmm. Uh, Oscar telling Myrna to slump is not in the script. <laughs> And then the next biggest thing is the scene when Murray gives Oscar the idea to choke on a chicken so that Felix can save Oscar's life. That goes on much longer. So, Because yeah. it's Mur an idea he got from watching a TV show. Right, and he goes into the length of the TV show. He says, he choked on a chicken bone. Oscar says, stop laughing, will you? Tell me the story. It was hilarious. This is Murray. And the week before, his wife tried to throw him a surprise party. And then I saw another one. I think he means another TV show where they brought home the wrong baby from the hospital. Then the time his toe got caught in a bathtub drain. Oscar says, what happened to the one with the chicken bone? It could work. Yeah, Murray. I'm going to make Felix Unger save my life if I have to die trying. Murray says, what if it doesn't work? Oscar hears Felix playing home on the range on a saxophone. And Oscar says, I'll commit suicide by jumping off your nose, which is actually a kind of a funny line that. It's a standard Murray. Kind yeah, of that they didn't use. <laughs> um and in the script the boneless chicken dish is uh -huh, chicken different. chicken almadine instead of chicken i can't think Peca, of it Peca <laughs> is it uh chicken i Ke have it from is it cacciatore no it's it sounds ca sorry cattarelli okay oh, yeah, right yeah that's right he says it in that very Italian way, yes. So, so it, yes. Would take a gourmet, it would take a gourmet of Felix Unger's caliber to explain to us the difference, if those are even real dishes. But um, so maybe someone can enlighten us about that. But and why they would change chicken almondine to 
Cacarello. I bet I feel like that's a Tony Randall thing. Yeah, Bob Ross. I think he thinks that chicken almondine. First of all, he, I bet he's he knows how it's made, and it's probably not <laughs> the right chicken for this actual <laughs> to event. Have boneless, yeah, to have boneless chicken. Uh, those are the major differences I noticed. Um, um, I have anything? a few. I could, yeah, a few I could run through. Um, again, impressive how much is there. The thanks sign, Felix playing the saxophone. The entire Oscar Madison's "Big Daddy to Us All" song is all there, although they move it earlier in the episode. Which could, by the way, it could have been moved out in the editing process. You know, and maybe um, that's tied to the Underwood thing being it kind abandoned. of yeah. It almost takes the place of that, right? Um, certainly, the Underwood scene also could have been cut for length because it does seem long, and they're packing a lot into this episode. Yeah, all these uh, scripts are long. Like this is a fifty-page right. script, and it's right. usually a minute an episode, a minute a page. Yeah. So, um, so I, I mean, maybe it's not really a minute a page, but. That could be another thing. I get the feeling that uh, in general from TV writing, right, that writers kind of assume they try to get that last draft down to the right length, but they always assume there's going to be extra to cut. Uh, you know, it's very hard to get it under the 22 minute mark. So it's not surprising that some things are just cut for length. Uh, in the, uh, the song <laughs> scene, Felix that actually comes in with a tape recorder uh, as if he's going to sing it into the tape recorder or that he's already recorded it or something, which is a prop to get rid of. Um, by the way, speaking of props, not to, I don't like to go back to the previous topic, but in Security Arms, they make a big deal in the script about an Oscar, as you see in the episode, walks in with a small portable TV set with a tiny screen. And uh, it's because the TV was stolen, right? Oh, so, right. And he and he, and he tells Nancy over the phone he's going to watch the game and uh, write his column. And but you realize the point of the, having the TV was for the TV shows, that the cop show and the talk show. That's why they had a, t a TV as a prop in the scene. And then when they cut, you realize when they cut all the TV shows that he's watching, there really was no need for the TV <laughs> at all. It's kind of an unnecessary prop. But isn't he watching TV in the show? He's why he's watching TV before the shootout happens, right? Yeah, I think that's the implication, but it's not. You don't hear it. It's not. No, like you don't a, hear it. But yeah. it does make a good point. Is how did they go out and just buy another TV? They have that money. They didn't get insurance. No, he, he says he borrowed. No, I think in the script he borrowed this portable TV from the office or someone. Oh, sorry. In the show, he's watching the portable right. TV. Okay. Yeah, and it's really small. You can see it. Yeah. Okay, really I see. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Um, right. That means they would have had to. Oh, right. We only heard the audio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, also, thinking, sorry, now we are going back, but having, <laughs> watching Jack Klugman watch other shows while we just hear the dialogue, yeah. that is lame. <laughs> yes. Right. Anything more on You Saved My Life? Um, well, here's something to think about. I mean, it's not so much a script-related thing, although you mentioned how there's a couple of Myrna things that are different. Let's remind everyone, this is Myrna's debut. This is this is the debut of the character. Oh, Penny I, Marshall's that, debut I forgot on the about show. that. Good, good call. And so uh, they don't make a big deal about that in the script, but it did make me go back to look at the uh, the, the uh, production order of the of the episodes for season two and, and just the season in general. And it's... I don't know if we noted this at the time when we podcasted on this episode, 
But it is, while it is Myrna's, the character of Myrna's debut on the show, it's actually, she only shows up this once in season two. And right. It's and like five episodes before the end, before they finished. And the, the, the introduction stage directions is yeah. very inauspicious. It just says Myrna, Oscar's secretary is at her desk on the phone. She right. has a spring can in her hand. But so interesting this, that the fact that they have to call her Oscar's secretary maybe is like an indication this is her first appearance. Like they don't introduce Sue Murray as every time. Right. You know but, what I mean? Well, don't we know it's her first appearance? We do. But I'm saying the, it's interesting that the writing and the script in the stage directions has to say Oscar's secretary. Right, because I guess people, other people reading the script at the time would know that this character existed. But it's just interesting that this maybe not iconic but semi classic tv character is introduced in such a very inauspicious way inauspicious way and a major a debut of a major actress later right. director right and maybe uh, they didn't sister. maybe yeah. it was supposed to be a one shot maybe well, I don't... well let's remember how this came about right she's gary marshall's sister um, what wait what <laughs> you know Werner turner all oh, uh, right <laughs> otherwise known as Werner Turner. Um, and looking at the order of the episodes, again, I'm noticing here we are toward the end of season two and Penny Marshall tells the story that it was Klugman who, who because she helped broker, she happened to meet Jack Klugman before the series started and kind of pushed put, pushed him into uh, do signing on to the show because he Klugman had doubts and on behalf of her brother and Klugman uh, liked her for that and also noticed her work somewhere else and said she's funny you should put her in the show so it looks like something gary marshall's kind of trying out at the end of season two this is uh recorded i'm sorry written the date on the script is december 3rd 1971 and was probably taped sometime then it, from their shooting season seems to have been from like june through december possibly into january so we're in the last weeks of season two and Marshall and Belson said they always thought they were going to get canceled. So it's kind of like, why not put my sister in the show? And then she, by, but when they do start season three, she's in not right away, but she's in Gloria Hallelujah and the Howard Cosell. I think she's in the Howard Cosell episode, big mouth. Uh, so she becomes very quickly in season three of regular, but it's not clear about that. Finally, one more thing about related to Myrna, I realized not only is this Myrna's first scene in the series, it's the first time on the live audience set that we see Oscar's office. Oh, interesting. Oscar's okay. office, which is an iconic, which is one of the iconic sets of the show, we see it in season one in a different form. But I looked through all the others, surprisingly, in season two. I do not think there's another episode that shows Oscar's office. And I thought about that because I, I, if you show Oscar's office, you have to show Myrna. So it's kind of, so I realized, oh, well, no wonder I can't think of one without Myrna because they wouldn't have had the office. So that's true. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So they're kind of figuring that out. Um, and finally, speaking of scenery and sets and all that, as I was saying about um, security arms, you see the scene breakdown and you see kind of how they're planning out the episode because you see how many locations they need. And you realize that, um, that this one is actually kind of a cheap episode. All they need is the living room, 
the bedroom, bedroom and the and office. Oscar's office is the new set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and there's oh. really no. Well, they I guess they splurged on first actors go. They splurged on Vaughn Taylor. <laughs> or did they? I mean, I guess you would think he got paid something if it got so far as to be in the yeah. in the in the cast page. And we I checked. Also... Yeah. By the way, I checked. You know, I still have. I still consult our Edward Gross's 25th anniversary Odd Couple companion, uh, who turned beyond to the whole listing episodes by production date, and he. he I don't know whether he, he has this. He never seems to indicate he has the scripts. But he certainly has the production information because we noticed before that he lists an actor who was cut. Sometimes when he just every episode summary he gives, uh, uh, he says who the cast is, and sure enough, for you say my life, he lists Von Taylor in the cast. Oh, he does. Yeah. So, and I remember he listed the other the actress who was supposed to play Oscar's mother, who they got rid of. Um, but so, does his does his entry discuss? Does it say Mister? No. Does it say Mister Underwood, or does it just say no. Von Taylor? No, his summaries are also not very, uh, not very thorough. Well, I want, I want us to be discovering new historical information about the Odd Couple. Yes. That's part of the fun of these scripts, just yes. like having an unproduced script. So, I want this Mister Underwood thing to be our, our discovery for the Odd Couple fans of some new piece of historical yeah. information. Yes. So the fact that he had Von Taylor takes that away a little bit, but the fact he doesn't say oh. Mister Underwood. He well, doesn't explain what Von Taylor's doing there. Then right? we still have, I'm going to still yes. say we have a bit of a coup. We have a discovery, yes. Yes, sorry. Uh, we should say both scripts do have the original writer's names on them. Jerry Belson for Security Arms and Bob Rogers for You Saved My Life. So sometimes, I don't, you know, with writing credits, things get a little weird. But these are both spelled out very clearly. Yes. All, all right. I think we, I think we've done our job for these. Yes, <laughs> Anything else you want to cover? <laughs> so I, I, uh, hopefully we'll, I think we were, I think we did this. Okay. I think we'll figure out a little more of a rhythm. We still have eight to 10 more to go. A couple that aren't in. Um, so hopefully people enjoyed our discussion of the differences and you can read along for yourself. And if you discover other things, you can email us and don't forget that if you want to get access to PDFs of all the scripts that we have so far, uh, even more than what we're just talking about in this episode, um, you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com and we will send you a link to the Dropbox account. As for what's up next, now I don't, we haven't figured out when we're, we might not be able to do this in exactly one week, but. No, I don't oh. think we're gonna do this once a week. No. Perhaps before the end of the new we year. We'd like to get one more out before the end of the yes. year, yes. But if not, certainly early in the new year. Uh, we'll be moving on to season three with The Odd Monks and My Strife in Court, a biggie. Yes, and there's a big... We won't, <clears throat> I won't spoil it now. If you're on the Facebook, if you're on one of the Odd Couple Facebook pages that I'm on, I have, I have announced this, but there is a very... There's a... <clears throat> The question is, is the most famous line in Odd Couple history in the script for yes. uh, My Strife in Court? And we, I will not give the answer today. Um, it's possible now if we get new scripts that <clears throat> predate those and we might move around. But that's our plans to do yes. this next. Right. 
Uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, we will, I don't have a line to end. Like we used to end the line with a quote from the episode. I don't have one. Do you? Good night, Mr. Underwood. Uh, good night, Teddy. <laughs>